Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. How many like new things? You like something new? How many like the idea of no one else ever owning what you own? Whenever you go to buy a new phone, do you want them to hand one to you that three people have used before you? How about a car? How many know what the new, there's something called a new car smell. Have you ever heard of that before? The new car smell. It's a certain kind of smell and it only comes with new vehicles. How many like to get clothes that are brand new? Yeah, it's kind of nice, isn't it? It's not like you want to, I mean, some people like to go thrift shopping, I understand. But there's something about no one else ever owning what you've owned. It's, it's mine, it's all mine, it's only been mine. How many like that? Now, the thing about it is, is there's certain words in our language, in the, in, in the English language, that really have power behind them. And one of the words that have the most power, there's 20 basic words they've, they've analyzed through marketing and all these other things, that there's 20 words that, that have a lot of power when you say them. And one of those words is new. Three letters, not a very big word, but new. How many go to the grocery store or go shopping and you see new plastered all over everything? Anytime there's a, there's a product change or they change a bottle on your shampoo that you buy that you really like, but they change the color of it and the make of it, they always put a little label on there that says new because they know that they'll have 30% possibly more sales just by adding the word new on it because something inside of us wants to be new, amen? And so the scripture actually talks to us about that because Jesus says that he's going to be the groom one day and the church is going to be the bride. And he doesn't want a bride that anyone else had, amen? He wants a brand new, clean and beautiful bride. And so what he has offered us is the opportunity to have not only been in this world and come out of the world and be saved, but to be washed and made new. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? So we see that everyone desires it, even the exclusivity of it. God desires of it. He wants us to be his and his alone. Amen? So what we do is we look through scripture in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. It says, therefore, if if anyone is in Christ, he is a new. Everyone say new. Creature. That means to be made new. I'm glad that God knows how to create. Amen? He's a creator, and he can speak into thing, new things into our life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So how do we fulfill the statement, is anyone in Christ? Does anybody know what that means? Anyone is in Christ. It's, it means that the baptism that we are talking about today and that these young girls are going to be baptized into is the way that they get into Christ Jesus, the way that they become new. It doesn't matter what you've done in your past. It doesn't even matter what religion you've come from. It doesn't matter the denomination or or the label that man has put on your religion. Baptism is not a religious thing. It is something that you do when you want to be a part of the covenant of Jesus Christ. It's something you do when you want your sins washed away and you want to be made new. Amen? So whenever you begin to understand that baptism is how we do what the scripture tells us to be in Christ, Romans 6, 3, and 4, this is a place in scripture where it talks about it. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that 
just as Christ was risen, it says up here, in order that like Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also should walk in, we should walk in newness of life. Everyone say new. The great thing about baptism is it's not a concept built by churches. It's not a religious concept. It wasn't something that someone thought up one day, hey, it'd be a good idea if we baptize people in water and we gather all the family together and then we have a nice potluck afterwards. It wasn't a church idea. It was Jesus' idea. Because when he told the disciples in Matthew 28, 9, 10, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Everyone say baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The first thing I would like to point out in this scripture is that the word name is singular. Do you see that there? I, it's good to see all of the people that just came in. I don't mean to point you out, but um, I know your faces, so <laughs> I've seen you before. God bless you. It says name singular. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are not names. Amen? If I go to the bank and I want to purchase something or get some sort of a bank check they make me sign my name if they i personally am a father i personally am a son that's what i am i i i'm also a preacher but whenever they ask for the name of this son and the name of this father and the name of this preacher they ask for my signature of my name jodon calhoun they will not release any funds from any of my accounts if i sign father They'll not release any funds from any of my account if I sign son or preacher or anything else that I happen to be titled with. They only release funds from my account if I sign my name, and that is the authority. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's our right to clap because the authority is in the name of Jesus. So this particular scripture happens where Jesus is preaching a sermon to his disciples, and he tells them to go into the world and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what's happened is many Many in the religious world have actually decided that you need to baptize in the name of those titles, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You have to understand that at this moment in time is only about a week away from what's called Pentecost. Jesus died on Passover, died for three days, was in the tomb, rose again, and then he lived on the earth as a res in a resurrected body with his disciples teaching and, and being with them for 40 days. From Passover to Pentecost, whenever God poured his spirit out on the church, was only 50 days. Penta means 50. So you have to understand that when Jesus said these words, it was only about a week from the day when they were in the upper room and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter walks out of that room because the Holy Ghost was so powerful, it spilled out into the streets. People were speaking in a heavenly language as, as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. And all of a sudden, people were like, what is going on? What is this experience? Why are these people talking in languages they shouldn't be able to talk in? And Peter stands up. Now, Matthew 28, 19 is written by Matthew. That's his name. And the Bible says in Acts 2.38, if you look at the previous scripture, that, that, Jesus, that when Peter stood up, he was there with the other 11, which included Matthew. So if Matthew wrote that we're supposed to be baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and Peter stands up and says, Acts chapter 2, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone say Jesus Christ. 
for the remission of sins. Remission is a very important word. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If Matthew knew that that was wrong, he should have stepped up. Hey, bub, you need to, you need to baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's what Jesus told him. But you have to understand that when the word says name singular, when Jesus said it, they knew exactly what the name of the Son, they knew exactly what the name of the Father was, and they knew exactly what the name of the Holy Spirit was. They knew that he was talking about baptizing in the only name that had authority. If you're going to wipe sins away, you can't do it with a title. You have to do it with the name of the person that died for those sins to be washed away. Amen? Everybody following me? Amen. So Jesus says in private, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Name singular, not names. But then in public, Peter says, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name so that you can have your sins Remitted. Baptism is not just a religious practice. It's something that you do in order to be in covenant with God. Amen? And for the blood of the lamb to be applied to your life. Jesus was the spotless lamb. In the Old Testament, if we lived in the Old Testament, thank God we don't, we would all have to bring some sort of a sacrifice to church today. Whether it be a dove or an animal of some kind, maybe a sheep or a goat that's spotless, and the priest would have to look it over and approve it, and then that lamb would have to be sacrificed for our sins, because the Bible says that without death there can be no remission of sins. So we have to understand that sin required death, and so there was a spotless lamb named Jesus Christ. He was a symbol of a lamb that died on the cross for us. How many know that story, and you're grateful for it? So the three different accounts that are given of this particular passage of scripture all share a, a similar theme and that is that Jesus name was to be used whenever you see that the recording of this particular passage of scripture it uses the word remission Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 says repent and be baptized every one of you for the remission of your sins anybody know what remission is well I know what emission is I have to go get my car checked every two years <laughs> I know what that is, Pastor. Is this like that? You got to go get approved to, to drive your car from emissions? No, it's not that. It's called remission. And remission is not something that you do because you've had mission first. It's not like that. Remission is actually a term that's used to talk about something that's there that's been completely taken away. So whenever you talk about another word in Scripture called justification, it's kind of like that. Justification is the same kind of word where it's just as if it never happened. So what happens if I'm walking through uh, the store and I'm going to buy one of those you know, really cool brand new like feather pins with a quill and you dip it in the ink and you write calligraphy? And I'm, gonna, I'm walking through the store and, and, and my daughter Eden, she gets in front of me because she's so excited and she trips me and I spill the ink all over the carpet. Well, guess what's wrong uh, with that scenario? I can't get that ink out, amen? There's no way to get that out. That carpet is now stained. So what needs to happen is they need to call ServPro, amen, and have ServPro come or have somebody come with chemicals that will lift that ink out of the carpet, right? That's how it has to happen. I can't do it on my own. So the owner of the store says, uh, it's okay, it's no big deal. Go ahead and buy the pen and the ink set or whatever, and, and we'll get you some more ink, and don't worry about the carpet, no problem. The owner of the store forgives me. That's what God does when we ask for repentance, He's the owner of all mankind. He owns this world and all things in it. So he forgives us our sins. He says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. No problem. But there's still the stain on the carpet, right? 
there's still something that has to be remitted or taken out of the carpet like because I tripped and I fell and I and I put it there and I feel bad about it but there's nothing I can do about that it's the same with God whenever he forgives our sins there's still a record because God is just right if God wasn't just, then there is no justice ever. Because what, whoever dies and does heinous acts, there, there has to be justice enacted for sin to be dealt with. So no matter what happens in this world, there's a record in heaven of our rights and our wrongs. And so whenever we are forgiven by God, we still have something we have to take care of. That is that record in heaven. And so whenever we decide that we're going to get baptized, we get baptized to remove that record in heaven. Jesus' blood is then applied to our life and every sin and every stain that has ever been in our life is then covered by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his blood shed on the cross. Are you glad about that? Because that means that we don't have to stand before God on our own account. We don't have to give our own testimony of how good we were to hopefully make up for all the stains and the times we messed up. Because we all mess up, amen? We all sometimes just trip over our own good selves, amen? So sometimes we have to know that there's a place we can go. And when you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you put that name on your life and you become in covenant with God so that whenever you ask God from that that point of baptism on and you say God would you please forgive me just as they did in the Old Testament they sacrificed animals to roll the sin ahead to the cross we now that we are baptized in Jesus name every time we pray after that we are rolling our sins back to the cross the sacrifice that saves us amen so I'm grateful that Acts 4 and 12 tells us that there is no salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. What name is that? Hallelujah. Acts 8 and 12 says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. There it is again. Both men and women were baptized. Acts 8.16 For as yet he had not fallen on any of them, but they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do you see the, the pattern here? The apostles baptized, not in the titles of Father and Son of Holy Ghost. That actually happens later on in church history where they start using that. But they were baptizing in the name of Jesus. Anybody here ever been in a construction site or gone to construction? In the old days in construction, they would measure a wall that they were going to put up by one two-by-four. They would cut one two-by-four, and then they would cut all the remaining two-by-fours by that one two-by-four so that the wall was the same height. They used one pattern of a two-by-four to create the whole wall. Well, the apostles baptized in Jesus' name. They're like the two-by-four. They were the pattern. The way that they baptized in the church of, uh, in the early days is the same way we ought to baptize today. Amen? Isn't that just logical? That makes sense? So if we're going to build a church, we need to make sure we get the, the right two by four before we start putting walls up and before we start saying, hey, this is how you get saved. You need to make sure you understand what the apostles taught and what they teach. In Romans 6 and 3, it says, or do you not know that as many as 
were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him in baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even we also should be baptized. There's a couple other places in Scripture that talks about baptism as being buried and being put down in the ground. Burial, obviously, is a place where we put those that have gone on before us, to put them out of, out of the sight of those that are still living. So we have to understand that when you bury somebody, you don't sprinkle a little bit of dirt on them. You put all of the dirt on them, or you put them away in a place that's closed. And, and so that's what you have to understand from baptism. And the original word of baptism is baptizo, which means to dip or immerse. How many know that whenever the, the Bible talks about baptism, oftentimes they were coming up out of the water? When the, eunuch, the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized, Philip said, here's much water. Why would you need much water if you're just going to sprinkle or dip somebody? But what happened was they transliterated, that's the big word for it, the word baptize into the English language. Because when the Bible was translated for the King James Version, they actually were already sprinkling babies. And they were already dipping babies' heads in fountains to do baptism. So in order to cause, not cause a confusion or a problem in the church, because they already had religious practices that were not original to the church. They just moved the word baptized right out of the Greek and stuck it right into the English so nobody really knows what the word means. The word literally means to put under water. So if you are going to be buried in a watery grave with Jesus Christ, synonymous with burial, then you need to be put down under, amen? And also the scripture uses words like being planted with Jesus Christ. And it's interesting to me that it uses this, this symbolic wording because whenever you go to plant something, like I have some seeds here and this is a fake plant, but let's remember, let's think that it's actually a real plant and I'm almost finished. But if I was going to plant these seeds, would I just do one of those? Did I just plant these seeds? Is that planting? No, not at all. If I don't bury one of these seeds in the dirt and cover it up, it's not planted. And that's the symbolism that's used in the scripture that you are planted with Christ. You are buried with him. So it's important that we understand that the way you baptize is just as important as the name you use when you baptize. Because the authority comes from the name, but the way that you do it is very important. The Britannica, Encyclopedia Britannica says, the baptismal formula was changed from the name of Jesus Christ to the words Father, Son, and Holy Ghost by the Catholic Church in the second century. Uh, and it's the 11th edition, volume 3, page 365 and 366. I referenced that for the recording. But you have to understand that the, the original way to baptize was to put someone down in water and to invoke or say over them the name of Jesus. I now baptize you in Jesus' name. It's not the water that cleanses us, amen? It's the name and the authority of the name that does the cleansing. You can, put, you can baptize people in a running river. You can baptize them in a frozen lake if you chip enough ice out. That'd be pretty cold. We're not baptizing in a lake today. I think Azalea and Dina's pretty happy about that. You can, you can baptize anywhere. You can baptize in a scuzzy pond if that's all the water that you have. Hold your breath and take some penicillin, but baptize them, amen? <laughs> Get them under the water in Jesus' name because that is how baptism takes place. So Christians, we have to understand that when we administer a baptism today, we're going to do it not by calling on the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're actually going to do it by baptizing them in the authority of the name of Jesus. And when they go down, it's that name 
that becomes the detergent factor that cleanses their sins. Amen? So washing away. How many would like a fresh start? How many, how many people in this world would love to have something start them all over again, to be able to hit the reset button and say, I begin again in Jesus' name. I, I, would, I, I would tell you that my experiences of baptizing people, they come out of the water and they are excited. I've seen people stand up after being baptized, literally jumping with their hands in the air because it's like a brand, a brand new day for them. It's like a, a brand new start for them. And all of a sudden, there is new hope for them because they're not bound to what they used to be. And everything they were before the moment of being baptism, uh, baptized is washed away. Would you stand with me right now? In a, as a pastor, I, I don't want to offend anybody, but we're, and, if, and if I do, we'll, we'll just ask you to forgive us. But would you be willing to, to turn to somebody next to you and ask them if they've been baptized? Would you do, help me out with that, church? Would you turn to somebody and ask them, have you been baptized in Jesus' name? <laughs> Amen. Well, good. Good. Good job. Good job. Maybe you got some yeses. Maybe you got some noes. Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Good. You guys are doing so good. Thanks for the help. Now, if they said no, if you said no and you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name, we have more than just one baptism we can do today. Because when, when the Bible talks about them doing baptisms, there was 3,000 people added to the church one day. But this is not, baptism is not you joining this church. It really is not you joining any church. It's you joining yourself to the plan of salvation that God designed so that you can have your sins washed away and you do not have to stand before the Lord without the name of Jesus Christ being on your life. So if there's anybody that hasn't been baptized, we're going to go on over. We're going to get our coats on, and we're going to go on over, and we're going to baptize. But while we're driving, would you think about, if I haven't been baptized, I don't want to stand before the Lord. If, if something, God forbid, should ever happen to you, you don't want to go out into eternity without having the name of Jesus being applied to your life. So would you think about it as we drive today? Let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word that teaches us that we are to be baptized in the name of Jesus because no, no other name can save us. We read it in scripture today. So as we go and baptize, Lord, would you please in, enlighten our hearts and strengthen us so that if there's someone in here that doesn't have the courage but wants to have every one of their previous sins, all of their life and, and wrongs and doing everything that they've done, even if it was the best they could do, it's not your best for them until we are washed in your blood. I don't want to stand before you someday and not, having, and, and not be able to have given the opportunity to someone in this room to be baptized as we go and baptize. So would you work on a heart? Would you teach somebody? Would you train us? Would you help us to be willing to do what you have asked us to do? You commanded, Lord Jesus, that we baptize. And so we do that today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen.